The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Oh my goodness, it is Thursday already. Glad you're with us on WTMJ Nights. Big show planned, as always. It's more fun when you're involved. 855-616-1620. Yes, that is, in fact, the Old National Bank talking text line. Thanks for asking. Old National Bank, get old. If you call in, you'll be talking to Matt. He's producing the big broadcast tonight. And if you decide to text, why not start with our text question of the night? Uh, I started thinking about this today as I was watching news and listening to news and reading the news. In the current climate of this country, your text question of the night, what news source do you trust the most and or the least? What news source do you trust the most and or the least? 855-616-1620. Of course, the old National Bank talk and text line. The reason I'm asking is because, well, it's been going on for been going on for a long time there's a there's been some distrust of the media but over the last i don't know four six years uh it seems to have gotten worse and worse where you know oh fake news the mainstream media blah 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 everybody's uh, nobody seems to trust anything which leads me to then if you don't trust anything where are you getting your information do you get it from the internet? Because, oh, we all know the internet is chock full of accurate information. Everything on the internet is true. That's, uh, I read that on the internet. That's how I know. That's how I know it's true because the internet told me that everything on it is exactly true. Uh, but, uh, you know, it used to be back when I was a kid in my parents' generation and maybe your parents' generation, the network news was the thing. People watched Walter Cronkite. They listened to Edward Armour, all those, all the greats, the old greats of the news business. And, of course, that's when there were three networks and radio stations. So, of course, it was easy then. It was easy to just go, oh, well, this is where I get my news, and I believe it. Um, you know, then Vietnam comes, and people start questioning the government and questioning things, and the news gets, the news gets, uh, into trouble into trouble and dragged into the mainstream for you know televising the war basically on the news every night there'd be footage of the vietnam war people didn't like that and or they did and it's just gone on gone on gone on but let's be honest the the term fake news became popular during the former president's campaign and reign and it has continued to, but not, and fake news seems very fluid because one day fake news is CNN and MSNBC, and you can only trust Fox and you can only trust, um, you know, Newsmax and, and those. But then, then that they say something negative, well, you can't trust them either, you know. So where does where does fake news stop? Somebody uh, somebody chastising me for saying that everything on the internet is true. In and if you couldn't uh, sense the sarcasm from that, I'm sorry. You must be a new listener. Um, so no, 
if I say something facetiously, it's going to come out that way. And if you believe it, well, that's that's part of the problem, isn't it? And I'm, I'm just illustrating a problem. From the 414, trust the BBC, distrust CNN. And I'm not asking this to this particular texter. I'm kind of asking it as you're texting in or calling in with your answer. I'd like to hear this, too. What about, is it is it a distrust because whatever news network on either side, because you know there's people on the left who would not trust Fox News or any of the, or or any of the right wing networks, just like people on the right don't say they don't trust CNN and, M- and MSNBC. Is it just because of their dislike of or of one candidate? Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that those that all of those cable news networks that I've mentioned have some slant or some bias to them. I would be being disingenuous, mostly because they have gone away from being straight-up news networks. All of those shows, whether it's opinion shows uh, on MSNBC like Maddow or um, Tucker Carlson's former show, those are all entertainment and opinion shows. Let's not kid ourselves. Just like my show is not a news show. Now, will I talk about things that are in the news? Sure I will. But I am coming at things just like you come at things with your own personal bias. So I don't drape myself in the I'm a journalist. That's when when Wyatt comes in and when Jessica comes in and they do the news. They're doing the news. They're, They're giving you the facts. I give you facts with my opinion just like... Rachel Maddow, Tucker Carlson, Bill O'Reilly, Sean Hannity, all those guys. And that's why I think there's distrust of all of these quote-unquote news organizations. They're opinion and pundit organizations. They're not truly news organizations. All right, let me see. Uh, Well, let me take a quick break. We'll get to more. There's a lot of texts Responses coming in, so I want to get those. Uh, the text question of the night. What news source do you trust the most and the least? And then we're going to get into uh, what's going on in Georgia. Not the indictments, but what's happened since the indictments, and it is despicable. We'll get to all of that and so much more. Why not? It's WTMJ Nights. Noonan WTMJ Knights 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. Our text question of the night, what news source do you trust the most and or the least? And if you want to throw in a why, I would appreciate that too, because it's easy to just, uh, that way I kind of see where you're coming with this. I get this one from the 414, I prefer the onion. You know what? Most days I do as well. Uh, John is on the road. Hey, John, welcome to WTMJ. Good evening. Uh, I don't trust any of them. Like you said, I, I, in the morning I have to go to like MSN's website and then I go to Fox's website and I somewhere in the middle there find the news, what I can consider true. And I think the biggest problem is that no one wants to be a reporter anymore. They all want to be journalists for their, their fame. And you, you always get something, uh, someone's perspective. I, you know, back in the day, it was great because all you got was a report. Now, and do you, you do newspapers, John? Do you, 
So you go to you go to no, a bunch it's of different internet, sites. Internet site. It's all internet sites. Yeah. Um, yeah. It it has changed a little bit, and that's that's as I was saying before. That's the problem with these quote unquote news networks on TV. That it's mostly opinions and pundits. It's and that yep. I think changed because 100%. and maybe you'll agree with this. Once the twenty four hour news cycle, once these things were on all the time, they needed to feed the beast, and so they were putting everything on and. The you know people's people's attention span and desire for screaming and yelling is much more than a long piece in the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times. Hundred percent. All right. Well, John, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. From the four one four, I trust BBC News because I googled it in <laughs> Steve Scafidi's city soap. All right. Uh, I only trust ABC World News with David Muir. I like. I was watching a little bit of that right before the show because David was in Maui, uh, reporting from there. Taylor says, "I would, uh, I would be people trust the news source that agrees with their views. Once that source goes negative on what they believe, then it becomes fake news, which goes along with what Peter texted in, and you can jump in on this too." Uh, 855-616-1620. Peter says, fake news equal anything a stubborn, opinionated person doesn't want to hear slash believe. And that's a perfect, that is a perfect, both of those are perfect definitions because they fit any side. There's, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that, listen, anything that leans uh, slightly either center or left is always right. Because it's not. We talked about one of the things last night. There's a lot of things I don't agree with, but I'm I'm always just curious if for people who think everybody is lying to them, where do they find the truth? If all the news is lying to you, um, a different four one four Fox News is the only station I trust. Okay, um, and everybody's got those. The, that's why I'm asking the question. But for the people who don't trust anything. Where do you get, how do you form your opinion? Is it just what you feel? Not based on any sort of facts? Is it, is it an obscure website? Is it talking to people that you have coffee with? I, if, it always strikes me as odd when no, when somebody trusts nothing. Skepticism is good. We all need, we all need a healthy dose of skepticism. We need to take things at face value, especially now when everywhere we go, we can either find things that completely back up our opinion, are completely opposite of our opinion, or in the same on the same screen of your computer, you're going to find both. So how do you how do you decide? Um, <laughs> but. It did. It just struck me as odd. Now, this is where things are getting really, really bad. And I don't like to get hyperbolic. I was reading uh, something today, um, opinion columnists talking about, you know, there, there's a lot of talk about civil war. Oh, the, everything can lead to a civil war, right? I don't, I don't believe that's coming. I believe the, uh, the divide in this country is real, but I don't also don't think it's quite as wide as some people would have us believe. I do believe that in that divide are the loudest. Those are the people on both sides 
who are screaming and yelling. They're the ones trying to make headlines. They're the ones trying to have things go viral. But those are also the ones who are, I think, the most susceptible to messages, whether it's from a former president, uh, whether it's from the opposition side, the people who are the most susceptible are the ones who not only make the most noise, but I do believe can be the most dangerous. For example, a Texas woman has been charged with threatening to kill the judge overseeing a former President Donald Trump's 2020 election case and a House Democrat who is running for Houston mayor. This woman called Judge Tanya Chutkin's chambers at the federal courthouse in Washington, D.C., just days after Trump was indicted, an investigator traced her call. She later admitted to making the threatening phone call. Court documents show that she called uh, the judge a racial slur before threatening to kill anyone who comes after Trump, including Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, a 15-term Democrat who announced in March that she would run for local election in Houston. She also threatened to kill members of the LGBTQ community. She told the judge that, quote, you are in our sights, we want to kill you, end quote. Prosecutors also accused her of saying, quote, if Trump doesn't get elected in 2024, we are coming to kill you, end quote. Investigators showed up. She said that, yeah, she made the phone call, but she wasn't going to travel to D.C. or Houston to carry out her threats. But if they came to her town, that's when people needed to worry. Um, is there... If you're okay with this, I don't understand it. Now, before you come at me with whataboutisms, because you know this show hates this show. Me, I hate whataboutisms. Well, what about other threats? They're wrong, too. Okay? So if somebody threatened uh, Mitch McConnell, 100% wrong, they should be arrested as well. Uh, somebody threatens former President Trump, obviously should be arrested. Somebody threatens Joe Biden, President Biden, they should be arrested. We're not uh, we're not playing the the games because if it's good for one, it's good for another in my mind. And if you're making these kind of threats, you deserve what you get. The the point I'm trying to make is obviously this woman is in that group that I was talking about that is the most susceptible. With that in mind, is it incumbent upon not only former President Trump, but President Biden and the, the rest of the Democrats and everybody else on that side. And yes, I'm looking at you, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and the rest, of, uh, the rest of them. And I'm looking at AOC and all of these people. For the sake of safety, to start pulling back a little on the rhetoric, because I don't believe that all of these threats are empty threats. I think you remember Governor Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan. They were going, they had the plan. They were going to kidnap her. And by all accounts, she wasn't coming back. One of these times, these threats that a lot that a lot of us tend to go, oh, those those people are kooks. You know, people who make those kind of threats, they're never going to follow through. Well, guess what? They're going to follow through. And I'm a big one for personal responsibility, but 
personal responsibility to people who are easily manipulated does fall on the people who planted those seeds. 855-616-1620, that's the old National Bank talking text line. If you want to jump in, uh, oh, more fun. More fun coming out of Georgia. We'll touch on that real quick after this on WTFJ Nights. Not. I'm also not endorsing these people who are releasing the names and social media accounts and some addresses of the grand jurors in Georgia. Have you seen this? Uh, once again, this goes back to what I was saying before, that um, the gap in this country, the divide is real, but not not quite as wide as some would have us believe. The problem is, in that divide are the loudest, the most gullible, the, uh, in, in a lot of terms, least informed, in my opinion, and the most susceptible to messages. That's on both sides. And if your feelings are hurt by that, well, I'm sorry. But I think those people are the ones getting attention. If you're releasing names of grand jurors because, now, in Georgia, you are allowed, they, they do release, or they do make them public. But they don't, they just give a name. So somebody is searching out all this information and then broadcasting it, not on, on some mainstream social uh, networks, but on uh, other places that aren't so much, and we know what that is for. It, and it's nothing but stoking a fire that could lead to something really, really horrible happening. Happening. So that's why I said both sides have to talk to the people up top and tell them to chill out. This has been going on for too long. Just We just have to stop. All right. Now, enough about that. Because it's a very exciting time of year if you are five years old. Why? Because you are going to start kindergarten. And parents, you know if you have a child going into kindergarten that that is a big deal. Because for a lot of kids, it's the first time they'll be in school all day. And they'll have, you know, it's, you're going to real school. You're going to kindergarten. And it's a little bit uh, stressful, not only for the kids, but let's be honest, it's stressful for the parents as well. And I would imagine if we all take a minute, most of us can think back and remember our kindergarten teacher. My kindergarten teacher was Mrs. Barron. And uh, I remember kindergarten enjoying it, except for Mrs. Barron liked to, we would get the, the papers that had, you know, our different letters that we were practicing. And so you'd practice the letters at the bottom, the uppercase and the lowercase, and they had the lines with the little dotted line in the middle, so you knew where the, the lowercase letter was supposed to stop. And then there was a picture up top that you could color once you had traced all your letters or written all your letters. And Mrs. Barron would grade those. And uh, I remember vividly doing the one for M. And the picture was, of course, a monkey. And I colored the monkey with a bright yellow face and black and brown fur and I guess I scribbled, I was outside the lines a little bit, which Mrs. Barron didn't like. And she wrote in red pen, poor, across the top of my paper. And thank goodness 
I have parents who were in education because I took that home and I was crestfallen. I'm in kindergarten. I thought I was doing pretty good. My letters looked okay, but you know, I'm not an artiste. My coloring of the monkey might have left a little bit to des to be desired. Uh, my parents hung that paper up in the kitchen because they said it looked it looked fine. Now, I can color in the lines now. I'm still not an artist, but you know, my handwriting's pretty good. But other than that, I remember it being fun. We we did we had nap time in kindergarten. They don't do that anymore. Now in kindergarten, kids are learning nonstop. Matt, do you remember your kindergarten teacher's name? Yeah, it was Mrs. Jensen. And back Mrs. back Jensen. in my day, not to date myself, but we only had half-day kindergarten. Really? Yep. There was K-A-M and K-P-M. The A-M class lasted from 8.40 a.m. until 11.26 a.m. P.M. lasted from 12.35 p.m. until 3.17 p.m., and you were either in one class or another. And then on early release days, only one class would show up. The other one would have the day off. Well, you know what? Come to think of my daughter was half-day kindergarten, too. I don't know if places still have half-day kindergarten anymore. The school I, I went like, to doesn't. Yeah, our our district, it's, it's half-day preschool, but it's full-day kindergarten. And I think that's, you know... There's days I think it's great for the kindergarten because there's a lot they can do. But then there's days where you go, oh, this kid is exhausted because, you know, it's it's after lunch and they're like, oh, I need to lay down. And unfortunately, we, <laughs> there's no nap times anymore. You don't just get to roll out the mats for a half hour and uh, and lay down. They're trying. I think they I think there's a push to jam way too much into kindergarten and now there's a swing the other way and it's called play-based kindergarten and it's where they in they bring play into the actual lessons so that um the kids are learning and the teacher gets to work with you know little group like center time a group for a little bit then they go on to something else, and while the other groups aren't with the teacher, they're doing something that is play-based to learn whatever lesson they are going to do. So that's that's the new thing. But you know, as a parent, you're a little. It's a it's a big moment when your child goes off to kindergarten, because it is the official start of school, and you think, oh man, I don't know if my if my child is ready and I don't know and we were we were oh we were so nervous when we walked our daughter to kindergarten for the first day and we expected her to you know maybe not be one of the kids who's so hysterical that they won't go in but to maybe hesitate for a second and need just a little encouragement to say okay go on and uh, go on you'll have fun go to school um, she didn't even look back we walked her up to the door and she was like, bye. And she just kept walking. And my wife and I are standing there and we're, you know, tearing, choking up a little bit because there's our, our daughter going off to school for the first time. And uh, she could not have cared less. She wanted to get into school and go. But then there are kids at the other end of the spectrum, and I see them all the time, who have complete meltdowns. They do not want to go to school. They don't want to be there. Um, I have some some tips 
One, to signs to make sure that your child is ready for kindergarten, because you know that um, a kid has to be five by September 1st in order to start kindergarten. But some people whose children's birthdays are right around, they, they're, they're debating, oh, do I send him? He's only four, but it's going to be okay. He, falls, he or she falls in, that, in the window, or do I hold him back? I'll give you some signs that your child is ready to start kindergarten. And parents, if you are getting your children ready to start kindergarten, how is it going? What are you doing to get them ready so that they can have a very, very exciting fulfilling and uh, stimulating kindergarten experience. We'll get to all of that and more. 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank Talk and text line. This is WTMJ Nights. Up in the morning and out to school. Oh, boy. Yes, it's school. Most importantly, it's kindergarten. Kindergarten lays the foundation. And if you... If you can hook a kid in in kindergarten and make them really fall in love with school, it is going to help them all the way down the all the way through their academic career. Uh, so we're talking about kindergarten. We're talking about uh, some signs that your child is ready to start kindergarten. Uh, because I know, at least in my family, one of my brothers, uh, a couple of my brothers were right at the deadlines, you know, and so one went. And he was the youngest in his class. He was uh, like a year younger than most of the people in his class. And then another brother was the other way. My mom waited, and then he was almost a year older than everybody in his class. So, you know, as I mentioned, to start kindergarten this year, your child must be five years old by September 1st. Even if a child meets the age requirement, there's no requirement for parents to enroll them right away. So if, you, if you're looking at your son or daughter and you're thinking, eh, I don't know, maybe they need something different, you can, you can keep them home, you can keep them in child care, you can get them to 4K, which is optional in Wisconsin. It delays kindergarten until the following school year. So here are some, here are some things to look for to make sure your child is ready for kindergarten. One, they have social-emotional skills and interact well with peers. Yeah, if your kid doesn't know how to share, if they don't like being around other people, if they um, if they can't uh, identify some feelings, like tell you I'm mad or I'm sad, I'm happy, uh, if they can't take turns or resolve conflict without bashing another kid in the head, probably not ready. Uh, are they independent? Which means, can they put on their shoes? Can they button their coats? It's amazing sometimes how many kids come to school. It, look, I was very late learning how to tie my shoes. Uh, Matt will tell you I still wear Velcro shoes because I can't tie them. That's not true. Uh, it's tongue-in-cheek for the people who are listening and are afraid that they won't. Uh, other people will not understand. No, I. But I was. I. It was. I don't know why I didn't master it. I was probably first grade when I started tying my shoes, which maybe is not late because. Uh, Last year in first grade, I was tying a lot of shoes. I wish I got paid by the lace. I would have been in, in pretty good shape. But can your kid um, can your kid keep track of their belongings? And like you know, if they see their name on their pencil box, do they know it's their pencil box because they can see their names? If they're not that dependent, you know, or independent rather, maybe it's not time. Can they follow a routine? Can they go from one activity to the next? Have you done that with them at home? Because transitions are tough, and it takes 
It takes kindergarten teachers a long time to get kids into the routine. That's like the first the first month of school besides basic learning is learning how to be in school, how to stand in line, how to go from uh, we're doing math now, now we're going to go to reading, and we're going to go back, and now it's time to walk to lunch, and now it's time to go to PE. So all of that is there. If, you're, if your child isn't doing that, maybe you know, wait a little bit. Are they familiar with books and have a basic vocabulary, which is sounds a lot more daunting than it really is? They just need to know how a book works. Um, they need to know, you know, words have letters and words together make a sentence. And the teachers will, the, the teachers will. But look at all those things to see if uh, you're ready. Now, I want to take a quick break because I got to, we got to hear a story. Matt was, uh, let's just say, a little incredulous that my kindergarten teacher, Mrs. Barron, had written poor on one of my papers. And I think that triggered a horrific memory for Matt. So we're going to let him air it out because we're all about uh, positive vibes here and good mental health on WTMJ Nights. Uh, and so we're going to let Matt exercise those demons. And you can exercise yours as well, 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talking text line. We're going to do, we're going to let Matt breathe out after this on WTMJ Nights. <laughs> We're talking about kindergarten, getting your kid ready. Is your kid ready? Uh, after the news, I'll give you a few tips to help you get your child ready, and uh, then we'll talk about some other things. But I mentioned my kindergarten teacher writing poor across one of my uh, coloring and letter sheets, and uh, that brought up something in Matt. Matt, uh, I'm sorry to have triggered you. <laughs> no worries, Brian. I think any teacher at that age to make a mark of poor or to give a grade nonetheless is uh, not a good thing. These kids should be learning. They should not have to deal with the repercussions of a quote failure. But your story did bring back uh, some memories from my early elementary school days. Uh, one in particular, and my handwriting right now is terrible. I'm left-handed. Only I can read it. it. It's a disgrace. If you saw the log right now that has our sh run of show and all my notes on it, I doubt you'd be able to read it. All right. Flashback to first grade. So in first grade, you start learning handwriting. And so I start writing with my left hand. It was my dominant hand. I knew it was my dominant hand. And like I said, my handwriting was terrible. So my teacher tries to flip me to a righty. She was an older woman, and that's what they used to do back in the day. They used to flip yes, the lefties to righties. Because lefties were the handwriting of the devil. We know that. Exactly. And so she tries to flip me to a righty, and guess what happened? It didn't you get any better. It. it didn't get any no, better. It was it worse. Didn't I, I didn't have a dynamic tripod. I was gripping the pen with a fist. I probably could have snapped it if I wanted to. <laughs> so then she goes to my parents. And it's parent-teacher conferences, and I was waiting outside. I don't know why I was there. I must have had an appointment or something afterwards. And so we're at the conference, and she says, your son just doesn't know how to write, and there's nothing I can do. And I was six years well, old. Maybe you should retire, Greg. Uh, yeah, I was six years old at the time, and uh, so I could hear what they were saying. And I had to go to the bathroom. And the bathroom was on the other side of the classroom. For some reason, the door was cracked open. And so 
I'm walking to go to the bathroom. I pass by the door, and then I hear her scream, Matt, mind your own business. What are you doing? Wow. And I'm like... And, and this and, woman and, was teaching kinder, first, first grade. grade? First grade. I'm, first I'm sure, grade? Brian, if you had to deal with this co-teacher, you wouldn't last very long. No. And I, yeah. Wow. And so I'm, I'm shocked, so I just go to the bathroom. I'm not sure my parents had any choice words for her afterwards. I hope so. But then... So the decision has been settled that I will never be able to write legibly again, which she was right. <laughs> no, and, see, she got in your head. And I know lefties who can write. So going off of that, she then proceeds. It's right after conferences. And she gives us an assignment. We have to fill out the assignment. And she picks me up and drops me in front of the computer and says, you're going to type now. No more writing for you. Wow. Wow. See, that that's horrible. I'm uh I think we all need a break now. We all need to go wipe our tears. So we'll do that and then it'll be news time and then we'll come back with a whole new perspective. WTM. The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. The second hour already, hard to believe, but we're glad you're here, 855-616-1620. The old National Bank Talk text line, we are here in advance of Brewers Baseball, here till about 835, then it's pregame, and then third game in Los Angeles against the Dodgers. We were talking about kindergarten before, and I know it's exciting, I know it can be nerve-wracking, and so there are some tips that if your kids are going to kindergarten, uh, I want to give you, and hopefully, Matt, now that you've been able to exercise that demon of your first grade teacher who scarred you for life, uh, th- here's the thing. Teachers and all adults, not just teachers, every adult needs to remember that what you say to a little kid, there's a good chance that's going to stick with them forever. Like, Matt will never forget that his first grade teacher said he'd never be able to write. And then it kind of became a self-fulfilling prophecy, it sounds like, that you just, was that always in your head every time you were trying to, to uh, write? Because it's got, I, like I said, I know left-handed people, and it is, it's, it's tougher for them to write. But, uh, you know, I, I would imagine if you had somebody in authority telling you that you never would, it kind of makes you think that that's the truth, right? It's like a legal disclaimer, I have to say. My handwriting's really, really bad. Let me know if you can read it, but here's what I said. <laughs> Man. See, I was told in uh, my freshman year in high school that I was monotone and tone deaf. Look how, look, so I, look how that worked out. Yeah, well, I'm not a singer, am I? Well, you're not. Never done musical <laughs> theater. You know. I will only, I'll only karaoke two songs because I've been told I can do those passably. But it's always in my head that I'm monotone and tone deaf. Uh, and then the poor, obviously, uh, being labeled poor. Now, Peter, he's holding on to something, the, the, the traumas of kindergarten and first grade. When I was in kindergarten, I got put into the poor listener's corner. Oh, Peter, that's so sad. He was put in the poor listener's corner for a few minutes because I was accused by the teacher of not following directions 
when asked to draw what we saw outside when we got fire department demonstrations in conjunction with the first fire drill of the year during fire prevention week. He says, I guess I was lousy at drawing fire trucks. Can you imagine for your art being put in the poor listener's corner? And the fact that you have a poor listener's corner in your classroom. He said it was the 60s, though. It was a different time. I guess. Well, we when I first started uh, in schools about eight years ago, there we used to have these um, charts, and the kids would clip up or clip down based on their behavior. Uh, so it would start, everybody would start on green, you know, ready to learn. And if you did good things during the day, you'd be told, "Oh, go ahead and clip up." And there were like two more, two uh, levels above ready to learn. But there are also two levels below ready to learn. And sometimes kids would have to clip down. And it got to the point in like kindergarten and first grade, some kids would start crying if you told them to clip down. So that was quickly, uh, that, that was deemed public shaming. And so there's no more, uh, no more charts in the, in the classroom for the kids to clip. You've never, you've never felt so bad as when you've told a, uh, six-year-old to clip down because they won't stop talking and then they just start to sob and say oh boy all right so here's uh, here's what you need to do parents just some quick tips these are easy just practice first one practice practice you're talking about them going to kindergarten it's very exciting so practice what it's going to be like um make a schedule for your kids to follow just in in the weeks like right now leading up to school little schedule that they can see and that you can help them carry out during the day. Um, time to start adjusting your children's bedtime, which is tough because it's still summer, right? And we want to, you know, we want to do as much as we can during the summer, but start during the week. If you can, put them to bed a little earlier, wake them up a little earlier, get them on that schedule so that they are ready from day one, they know, okay, we get up and we go to school. Now, is that gonna is that gonna make it easy every day? Absolutely not. <laughs> that is not gonna that's uh, not a guarantee that we'll all wake up because let's be honest, you and I don't always have an easy time waking up in the morning. Um, if there's tours of school, if there's any readiness programs, if you can go and meet and greet with the teachers. I know our district is having it has a picnic. Uh, this Sunday, where kids can come and they meet their teachers and they can pick up some supplies and things like that, and it it helps get get them more excited. You know, even just walking or driving by the new school and saying, "Oh, that's the door you're going to go in," and look, this is where we'll you'll get dropped off, and this is where we're going to where you get picked up, and that's the playground, and you'll have recess over there, and look at the flowers, and just so there, it's like, oh, this is great. We know where we're going. This I would like to. This is the biggest public service announcement for any parent sending their children to preschool or kindergarten. Mostly, mostly kindergarten, because I know we drill it a lot in kindergarten. They should know their name, first and last, their address, and a phone number. And who their teacher is. Because I've come across kids like wandering the hallway the first couple weeks. And, and they're, you can tell they're lost, because they're only like three feet tall, and their eyes are as big as dinner plates and they're like uh and i'm like oh where are you supposed to be who's your teacher i don't know it's like okay now we got to figure out who's missing a kid um 
Have them know those things. Just practice. It, again, it's back to the practice, but that's important information. And then, of course, uh, you know, have them, they should be able to go to the bathroom by themselves and keep track of their stuff. And then, um, you know, it's not, uh, it's everybody's job to help educate your kids. It's the teacher's job, obviously, but it's your job at home to just reinforce some of that stuff. But mostly just for kindergarten, tell them they're going to have a good time. Tell them they're going to make new friends. Tell them, tell them it's going to be great. It's going to be great. So good luck if that's yours. And I hope you're not your kid doesn't get put in the uh, poor listener's corner or nobody writes poor on their paper or if they're left-handed, uh, you know, some old crone tries to change them. And then they turn out, you know, they turn out like Matt, a young man on his on on a good path for his career, but he's got that stumbling block, that voice in his head. Every time he goes to write a note, he hears that old woman, you can't write. You can't write. And sees her gnarled arthritic hands trying to grip a pencil and put it into his hands. Horrible. All right, let's do this. Then, oh my goodness, really? We're going to blame a movie star for what's going on in the real world? This is Insanity. It's WTMJ Nights. All right, noon and WTMJ Nights. Oh, my goodness. Uh, somebody from the 262 heard my tale of woe about coloring outside the lines and uh, Mrs. Barron writing poor on my paper. Said, my wife is a kindergarten teacher. That is so cruel. It's hilarious. <laughs> Big deal. Kids learn that eventually. Yes. Uh, no, we would learn it eventually. You know, I didn't need to be told at uh, in kindergarten that I was a horrible artist. I, I would have figured it out. He said my wife would never write that in a million years, this poor little five-year-old. Yes, look how I turned out. I get a little criticism in kindergarten, and it shapes my whole life where I, you know, don't listen to authority, and I color outside the lines every chance I get, which I think most children should. We talked the other night, uh, Matt and I, about this Michael Orr story, the, the lawsuit that he filed in Tennessee against the Tuies, um, the parents who took him in. They were the basis for the book and the movie The Blind Side. Uh, the, he says they tricked him into signing a conservatorship when he was 18 and didn't know better. Uh, they told him it was the same as him being adopted and blah, blah, blah. And now they're saying, no, it's a shakedown. Uh, they don't need his money and all of this and that. And I, I, I said it the other night, and I have not seen anything to change my mind. I am backing Michael Orr on this story. Somehow I have a feeling that uh, he's the one telling the truth. But here's where it gets absurd. Now, that's a case between, in real life, a case between one man and a, couple, a family that, you know, whatever happened, it's real. The story that was made is a movie, and it was a movie based on the book. If you remember the movie The Blind Side, Sandra Bullock played the mom, and uh, Tim McGraw, the country singer, he played the dad, and they did a very nice job. So much so, in fact, that Sandra Bullock won an Academy Award for her performance of Leanne Tui. Now, in this day and age of everybody has to be called on the carpet, everybody has to be canceled, everybody has to issue apologies, blah, 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 blah. Some people are saying that Sandra Bullock needs to give her Academy Award back because 
This was all based on a lie, and it was based on quote-unquote white savior mentality, end quote, to, uh, you know, that's what this Leanne Tui was about in the movie, that these these white people came and they swooped in and saved this poor black athlete and took him out of the foster system and gave him a life, and now that all may be a lie, so Sandra Bullock needs to give her... Oscar back. What are you talking about? Has to give her Oscar. Uh, first of all, here's the thing. The Blind Side that Sandra Bullock was in is a movie. It was, quote-unquote, based on a true story. If you think that based on a true story means that everything in that film is uh, gospel truth, you are misunderstood, misunderstanding what it is to watch a drama. Also, she won the award for her work in that film. She didn't win her uh, humanitarian award for her work as Leanne Tui. She took the script that she was given and the direction she got from her director and her talent and skill created a character and a performance that was deemed by the Academy to be the best performance that year. It has nothing to do with what's going on in the real-life case of Michael Orr versus the Tuies. And to put her in that position is ridiculous. Now, she has not commented on it because, first of all, it's not worth commenting on. But second of all, her longtime um, partner, boyfriend, uh, just recently died. So she's got other things on her mind. She's not really worried about some yahoos going, you should give that, uh, you should give that back. Blaming her for what the Tuies may or may not have done could be the most knee-jerk, stupid reaction I have heard in a while. Matt, you've been following this story as well. I know you've been calling for Sandra Bullock to give back her Oscar. I don't know why. <laughs> That's not true. For those of you who want Sandra Bullock to give back her Oscar, I, I don't even know. Where do you come up with that? It's a movie. Know. That's like saying that <laughs> Killian Murphy, who played Oppenheimer in the recent phenomenon Oppenheimer, is responsible for what happened in Hiroshima and That's Nagasaki. Right. That's right. And it's everybody who thing. played a real life gag, Robert De Niro should give back his Oscar. Uh, if I don't know if he won one for, um, well, all right, let's go. Let's go to Anthony Hopkins. He should give back his Oscar because he portrayed Hannibal Lecter, who did horrible things. <laughs> horrible. He actually ate people. That's that's more than just, uh, you know, white savior behavior. That's cannibalism. By that He's got to give his back. By that logic, Ray Fiennes is sitting backstage at the Oscars, carving the Oscar in himself and handing it out to people. That's right. That's right. And Tom Hanks should give back all of his Oscars because he played a hitman, and that's not nice. You know, you sure he played Forrest Gump, and he played the guy in uh, in Philadelphia. But uh, you know, Road to Perdition, he was killing people left and right. That's not good. Plus, he used to dress in drag, so he's got to he, definitely these people. It's the same people who are going to throw that in there too. So this is just this is when I just want to I I want to grab the country by the proverbial lapels and shake it, and go. Do we not have? much more important things to worry about but this is what people get this is what people get upset about so 
I hope Sandra Bullock does not lower herself and comment on this uh, because it's just, it's completely ridiculous. All right. We were talking about uh, young kids. I have a warning, another warning, because if we're, if we're not panicking parents every day about our children, are we really doing our job? Let's figure it out on WTMJ Night. Oh, yes. Parents, always something to worry about, isn't there? Every day something new. No, this is not a virus. This is not COVID. This is TikTok brain. That's right. Your children may be developing TikTok brain. Uh, you know, TikTok, short little videos. Young people, according to a couple recent studies, young people who binge watch short form content like TikTok or Instagram Reels find it harder, quote, to participate in activities that don't offer instant gratification. That came out of a report from the Wall Street Journal. Yes, well, I've... I see that to an extent, but I don't know if we need to label it TikTok brain. Uh, the pursuit of a reaction in the reward system in your brain drives endless scrolling through TikTok videos. The platform is a dopamine machine, according to a pediatrician and director of the Reading and Literacy Discovery Center at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. A flood of dopamine reinforces cravings for something enjoyable, whether it's a tasty meal, a drug, or a funny TikTok video. Uh, research into how TikTok specifically affects the brain is in the early stages, but there has been a growing interest among scientists in the area because if it suggests that videos on TikTok or YouTube shorts engages users through, quote, short bursts of thrills, end quote, which can lead to development of addictive behavior. The study focused on a sample of college students and their motivations for excessively using short-term video apps. Oh, boy. So it's saying your kids' attention spans could be at risk. And the last thing you need as the year goes on at school is to get that call and go, uh, yes, we'd like you to come in and uh, have a little conference. We think uh, young Bobby has TikTok brain, and he's just not able to pay attention. I have, I have noticed kids' attention spans are shorter. Now, is it TikTok? Is it just that they're on screens all the time? Um, it is hilarious that some of these kindergarten kids, and first, like first graders last year, were able to help me with some tech stuff. And you've never felt dumber than when you have to turn to a six-year-old and go, hey, do you know how to do this? And they go, yeah. And they take your iPad and they, oh, all right, thank you. Now I know how to do this. Um, so I don't know. When they're... When the kids do something that takes prolonged focus, like reading, they use directed attention. But then they don't have to have directed attention when they're watching all these little videos. So there you go. It's uh, just another thing to put on your list, Mom and Dad, that uh, you may have to, you know, you always got to be watching. There's always something coming up. On the other side of the news... You know the film director Christopher Nolan? He makes moody, he makes dark, he makes very heavy movies. But he likes a certain comedy. We're going to talk a little bit about comedies that you have to watch every time they are on TV. But first, it's 7.30, and we have to go to the WTMJ 24-Hour News Center. Jessica Gatso, ready to go. It's Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talk and text line. I want to know a comedy 
that if you see it on TV, you cannot turn it off. You have to watch it every time. I don't, it doesn't matter how many times you've seen it. If you're flipping through and you see this comedy come on, and let's and we're going to keep it comedy because we're having uh, we're having those. We had a little heaviness, so let's have some comedy. Uh, you can never get rid of it. The reason I ask is Christopher Christopher Nolan. You know Christopher Nolan. He uh, directed Oppenheimer. Yes, he's directed all sorts of things. Um, he was on a show, and they were talking about his movie and, and all the dramas he did, and he said that he considers Talladega Nights, the ballad of Ricky Bobby, to be one of the, quote, great comedies. And he can never, he's, he called it a remote drop. So when it comes on, that's it. He just stops and he's watching it. Which I, I was I was a little surprised. I didn't think that would be uh, Christopher Nolan's uh, remote drop. So what is your remote drop when it comes to comedies? I have a few, but I had to agree with him. Talladega Nights is one of them. Now, have you seen Talladega Nights, Matt? Do we have to put this on the list, too? For Ta the I've seen Talladega Nights. All if right, you ain't first, you're last. You know that. I wake up every morning and I, well, I excrete excellence. Let's just put it that way. So when my daughter was going off to college, I said, what do you get to do every morning? She told me. She knows. So here's the one, here's the one for me. If I'm flipping through and I see the other guys come on with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg, every time I stop, I will watch that. I will watch that all the way through every time it's on because it makes me laugh like an idiot. It's so well, it's a comedy and it's a Will Ferrell comedy. But the the interaction between he and Mark Wahlberg and just the opening scene with The Rock and Samuel L. Jackson is crazy, and Rob Riggle is terrific in it. It's uh, and Michael Keaton plays their lieutenant. It's it's just oh, it is the greatest, the greatest movie. So that's that's mine. I'm seeing uh, other ones pop in. Let's see. Jeff says Office Space. Office Space, I'll usually watch. I'll usually watch for a few minutes if I see it. I'll stick around unless. Here's my disclaimer: unless they're on a channel that has commercials, then I'm out. O U T, forget about it. Um, Seinfeld, that TV show from the 414, King of Queens. Uh, Mike from Whitewater. This is one I haven't seen in forever. Kentucky Fried Movie. So, Mike, that's Mike's remote drop. Um, oh, 920, I forgot about this. If we're on a Will Ferrell theme, Step Brothers is amazing. Yeah, Step Brothers, Step Brothers I will watch. Step Brothers I will watch, too, because I always want a place where there's a lot of room for activities. So I have to watch, I have to watch that. Oh, okay. Happy Gilmore on the list. Matt, do you have any remote drops? I gotta think of ones that haven't been said before. Ferris Bueller's Day Off is on my list. Oh, all right. Animal House is on my list. That's on my list as well. Seinfeld's always on my list. But he's that's on all the time. But you know, exactly, you'd, you'd never leave the house. Maybe I haven't. 
All right, listen, you're <laughs> it's it's you're a great it, Seinfeld is the and you know don't at me, but I think it's the best '90s show. It's better than Friends, better than Cheers. It's the goat. All right, well. The rem- what is your remote drop? Here's a couple more. Like I said, the other guys, the other guys, I'm in 100. percent uh, Somebody said, or Matt said, Animal House. That was on my list. Uh, somebody just texted in. Joe in Caledonia said, Mon- Monty Python and the Holy Grail. That is also on my list. Um, dodgeball. I will always watch dodgeball because if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. We all know that. Um, and just the scene, just the scene at the end with Ben Stiller uh, over the over the closing credits is enough to uh, that's enough to keep me that's enough to keep me locked in the whole time. And that was prime Vince Vaughn when everybody liked Vince Vaughn when he was still making comedies and he was a big movie star. Um, but yeah, Vince Vaughn, Vince Vaughn has kind of drifted away. He's kind of gone. So uh, that's on there. Anchorman, I will watch. The whole thing. Here's one. This one, uh, even though I normally only watch it later in the year, they've been playing it more and more on uh, Stars and Showtime and stuff. Bad Santa. I will always watch Bad Santa. If it comes on and I'm looking for something to watch and I see Bad Santa, boom, I'm in. You got me for 90 minutes. I'll see you later. Um... Kathy says everybody loves Raymond. Taylor says the Goonies. Four one four Angels in the outfield. That's a good one. I is that the one? Is Tony Danza in that one? That's a very young Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, okay. And I haven't seen it in a while. Now that's not the one where he where his arm where he gets his arm like uh, the, the one with the arm gets broken is rookie of the year. Rookie of the Year. Yeah, okay. that's the one with uh, Gary Busey uh, about the Cubs. Okay. Yeah, the kid's arm The kid's arm gets broken, and then when he gets his cast off, it's you know, he can throw 100 miles an hour. Great film. <laughs> I like that you categorized it as a film. It's a cinematic it's a masterpiece. It's a, cl- according to me. it's a classic. All right. That's good. Why did I know that if I asked if there a question came up about some some kind of sports movie, uh, you'd be all over it? Um, let's take a quick break. We'll get to some more. Give me your remote drops, comedy wise. You're watching TV. You see this comedy pop up. Boom! Down goes your uh, down goes your remote. Eight five five six one six one six twenty is the old National Bank talking text line. Oh my goodness! It's WTMJ night. It's Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights. Christopher Nolan, the director of Oppenheimer, said that when it comes to comedies, Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby, is his quote-unquote remote drop. He will stop and he will watch that movie to the end if he comes across it. What comedy movie are you thinking is your remote drop? I gave you a couple. My first one was The Other Guys. Uh, Michelle is in Dresden. Hi, Michelle. Oh, I'm in Grafton. Um, I'm in Grafton. But, oh, in um, Grafton. Sorry, Michelle. I'll have to cancel the flowers. Yeah. I had already sent them to Dresden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you had. Um, and that poor kid that is trying to figure out where to deliver them to. But, um, 
Kate, I love, and I only watch it because there's only a couple times um, at night that it's on, uh, The Nanny. And I can see why Fran Drescher is the head of the Actors Guild or whatever. She was so naturally funny. And she had the same kind of style that um, um, Lucy, Lucille Ball had. Just a look. And everybody yeah. that was in that was funny. It's just like belly laughing funny. And just so whenever you see it, you'll watch it. I will. Sounds good. Well, thank you, Michelle. I appreciate the call. Uh, Patty is in Oak Creek. Hey, Patty. Hey, guys. How are you doing tonight? Good. I. Okay, this is like too funny. Every time it's on, I don't know how many times I've seen it, but the movie Bridesmaids. Okay. That's a classic. Yes, I get it. Oh, my God. Oh, where they go to the, they go eat at the Mexican restaurant? Yeah. <laughs> How did I know you were going to come up with that scene? <laughs> I love that scene. Obviously, I love the scene where Crystal Wig is melting down on the plane. Um, the whole thing is oh, yeah. hilarious. You know, it's a whole awesome thing is great. Classic. Patty, Classic. thank you for the call. Appreciate it. That's Patty's remote drop. What is yours? I'm getting uh, oh from the nine two zero Tommy Boy and Grumpy Old Men. See, I'm not. There's nothing I can argue about with any of these. Man with two brains. I haven't seen in a long time. That's a Steve Martin one. Uh, I have the Jerk on my list. If the Jerk and the Jerk doesn't come on very often, but if I see the Jerk, I'm watching the Jerk. This has happened in our house a lot lately. From the four one four, my cousin Vinny, and every like if we're flipping around or just you know killing time, and it's like oh we'll just put. If my cousin Vinny's out, we end up watching the whole thing, no matter where we started. And we never started at the beginning. We always come in somewhere in the middle, but we always end up watching it till the very end. I don't know. There's something about it. Uh, Joe Pesci's hilarious. Marissa Tomei, she won the Oscar for it. The Big Lebowski. Have you ever seen The Big Lebowski, Matt? Great film. It is fantastic. Now, see, that one I'll give you as a film. And it bombed when it came out at the box office. And then it got a second life. Yes, I will. Uh, I usually will watch. If I don't watch the whole thing, I will always invest a little time in The Big Lebowski because I'm a nihilist, you know. Uh, and I like it when, you know, they tell Donnie to shut up. The Pink Panther, Peter. I don't, Chris, is it the Peter Sellers Pink Panthers or is it Steve Martin's remake? Spectacular. So. Yes. And uh, what was, oh, what was the. What was is not Cato? Who's a, who's his a nemesis? Who jumps his assistant that jumps out from behind the door all the time? I don't even I don't remember who it was. I can't remember the guy's name, but it's. Uh, <laughs> I just remember the best thing with the Pink Panther. Uh, there was a name for one of the contests in one of the Brewer games uh, last week, and Bob Euchre started uh, doing Jacques Cousteau impressions on the air. <laughs> Inspector Clouseau. Jacques Cousteau was the. Uh, the seafaring diver explorer. That show was on when I was a kid. The Underseas Adventures of Jacques Cousteau. It was on every Saturday night. Uh, Mike from Muskego said Stripes, classic. Staying in the Bill Murray realm. The 920 says Caddyshack and Coming to America. Michael Young Frankenstein. And uh, I had Blazing Saddles on my list as one that I have to watch all the time. So there you go. Did you come up? Uh, did you figure out any of your remote drops, Matt? I got one more. Yeah. I would only make this a remote drop 
between Thanksgiving and Christmas. I bet and I know. This, this is a remote drop. I don't care what else is on. There could be the biggest breaking news story. And I'm a sports guy. As long as Chicago Bears aren't playing, this is a remote drop. And that is Home Alone and Home Alone 2 lost in New York. Hands down, remote drop. I don't care what else is happening. Wow. All right. Now, I was I'm, I would have guessed wrong. Because of the time frame you put, I thought you were going to say planes, trains, and automobiles. Which? Same level. Now, I, Home Alone, I'm going to agree with you. I didn't see Home Alone 2, so I can't... Uh... It's, it's the same thing, just in New York. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. It's nice to see, uh, nice to see that Macaulay Culkin was able to you know, capitalize on that. Was there a Home Alone 3? There is a Home Alone 3. There's a Home Alone 4. But Home Alone 3 and serious? Home Alone 4, they don't involve Macaulay Culkin. They don't involve O'Hara. They don't involve John Hurt. They don't involve the regular well, no, cast. At that, point, at that point, the kid owns his own house. He could still be left home alone. Yeah, but it's a whole Or get on the movie. wrong plane. Like, like, if I was left home alone now, it would be great. I'd just be, I'd just be sitting in the chair watching TV, having a beer. Wouldn't make that great of a movie. It'd be like, hoo-hoo, I don't have any responsibilities. I'm home alone. What happens uh, when Joe Pesci shows up? Well, listen, when Joe Pesci shows up, one, he's, you know, he's like 90. I could probably take him. He's very small. Daniel Stern? Uh, Daniel Stern, too. These guys, listen, they're not in their prime anymore, Matt. Now, granted, neither am I, but uh, I have I have a number of paint cans on ropes all around my house. I don't want to give away all the security here at the compound, but trust me, there will be, uh, you know, there's some flamethrowers. There's, uh, I have TV clips all queued up so I could just hit a playlist and all the insults will go on. I'm all set. I'm you got go. nails in the floors? Again, does the CIA give out all their secrets? Does the the uh, the armed services give out all their tricks, everything they have to avert an attack? I'm not saying everything that I have. Let's just say I would not be I would not be in that much danger. Let's just leave it at that, and we'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back. And oh, we learned uh, we learned last night that Matt and I are both not uh, pumpkin spice aficionados or fans it's gone one step one step further than we could have ever imagined i'll explain on the other side it's wtmj nights i know a guy who knew a guy who said ferris was getting a liver transplant that's matt's uh, remote drop ferris bueller's day off i know i know i like ferris bueller's day off i know one guy who has a visceral hatred for ferris bueller's day off just hates him. I did watch it. Re have you watched it recently, Matt? Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Yes, I'll watch it whenever it's on. All right. Let me ask you this. Because uh, I watched it recently from start to finish again. And I couldn't help thinking, as a man of my age looking back, Ferris was a tool. He was not a good friend. He was, in fact, a jerk. I don't know why anybody would have liked him. He seemed like the kind of guy who would uh, use you. He'd steal your girlfriend. He'd, uh, you know, he'd Eddie Haskell your mom and dad and then stab you in the back. Does that worry you at all that this is your remote drop with this guy as the main character? It doesn't really worry me because I like the movie for 
every other character except for Ferris Bueller. <laughs> Ferris Bueller is the centerpiece, but Ed Rooney is a riot. Ed Cameron great. is just ridiculous. And then you got Ferris's parents. Jeannie's a whole nother storyline with Charlie Sheen in the police station. Right, and it's the first time we got a glimpse of Jennifer Gray. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. these are all... It's the ancillary storylines in the movie that make it great. Perfect. Uh, Real quick, last night we talked about uh, Dairy Queen bringing back the pumpkin spice blizzard. Starbucks has the pumpkin spice Keurig cups. Their stuff's going to come out. Dunkin' has pumpkin spice products. Uh, Pumpkin spice frosted flakes. 7-Eleven has pumpkin spice coffee drinks. Everybody's got it. Well, guess what now? You can uh, rent a room at the Great Wolf Lodge in Gurnee. Well, you can do it uh, during their Halloween celebration. It is the pumpkin spice suite. They call it an immersive new room type. Provides families with a multi-sensory experience where everything is inspired by pumpkin spice. Ugh. There's orange, brown, and pumpkin-shaped pillows, accent rugs, and wall art, as well as fall floral arrangements, wreaths, and and fragrances. It includes bottomless pumpkin spice coffee products and a daily delivery of warm buns with pumpkin cream cheese frosting. Uh, Yours for only $400 a night. Enjoy yourself. Uh, All right, we've got to do the news. Then it's at the breweries on WTMJ. Oh, this little refrain should help me explain as a matter of fact. I like beer. Welcome to another edition of At the Breweries. Give me a keg of beer. Pull up a bar stool and get ready to join the keg conversation. A shark on whiskey is mighty risky. A shark on beer is a beer engineer. Your one-stop shop for brews in the news is on tap. Beer! More beer! And more beer! Here's At the Breweries with Brian Noonan. Yes, sirree, WTMJ Nights at the Breweries. Oh, my goodness. We love talking beer here. And by we, I mean me and hopefully you. We are in Beer City. It is uh, always interesting to find out what's going on. A lot of times on At the Breweries, we will interview a brewer about something. Tonight, we've just got a lot of beer stories, uh, beer things happening in town over the weekend that uh, I wanted to point out. Maybe you're looking for something to do. If you're not going to Irish Fest, which I would recommend, go to Irish Fest. But uh, if that's not your thing now that the fair's over, you might be trying to jam some uh, entertainment into the last few weekends of summer. Uh, I hate saying it that way, but you know this is uh this is my favorite time of the beer calendar because we're getting into the Oktoberfest beers and the uh, fest beers and those kind of things a little maltier, a little darker uh, alt beers things like that. So let's see what's going on uh, where you can get yourself uh, some fun beer activities this weekend. Uh, the beer garden. This is so some things for tomorrow, Friday. The beer garden road show comes to Liberty Height Liberty Heights Park from four to nine p.m. Raised Grain Brewing is bringing its pop up beer garden to the Retzer Nature Center. For they're going to be there the whole weekend, but they start tomorrow, four to nine on Friday and three to nine on Saturday. If you are a non alcoholic beer drinker, and some of those are actually very very good. Um, 
Non-alcoholic beers from Best Day Brewing. They're going to be uh, giving out samples of discount liquor in Milwaukee. You can also go to the one in uh, Waukesha to get samples of Lagunitas. That's on tomorrow from 3 to 5. And uh, the non-alcoholic stuff from Best Day will be from 2 to 4.30 at the discount liquor in Milwaukee. Saturday, oh, man, there's a lot of stuff going on Saturday. Saturday, I'm actually going to be at a beer fest, but it's down in uh, Illinois. Um, I'm working on a project that will I will uh, relay to you soon. I'll let you know a new project, but I'm meeting up with the people I'm working that project with, and we're going to the Oak Park Microbrew Festival, which will be fun. But if you're staying in town, Gathering Place Brewing Company is going to be selling, celebrating their six-year anniversary. So congratulating, congratulations to Gathering Place. They're in a block party. From noon to 10 on Saturday, they're going to be releasing three beers. A bourbon barrel-aged barley wine, hello, a peach farmhouse ale, and a cardamom lime wheat ale. Those all sound very interesting if you are a, uh, a beer drinker. So that's Gathering Place, which is at 811 East Vienna, and it's their sixth birthday, so good for them. Black Husky Brewing has another official Strongman Strongwoman competition happening at their brewery. Battle at the Brewery 3 is happening from 10 to 3. It's one of the most uh, unique events that the brewery hosts. A strong... I would like to watch that. I don't want to participate in the Strongman Strongwoman contest, but I think sitting back... Now, that's a, as a sports guy, that's right up your alley, isn't it, Matt? Sit back, have a couple beverages, watch people lift... Uh, you know, cars over their heads. Sounds entertaining. Now, do they drink too? I don't. That would make it even more entertaining. That I like that you added that wrinkle to it. I don't know if that's uh, if that's the case. If not, we should promote our own events, where we get uh, the buzz strong men and strong women to uh, toss things in the air. Another event on Saturday, eighteen forty brewing wraps up a busy week. They have the beer garden road show, uh, a stop at Ellsworth Park. And if you are a runner who also likes beer, the next stop on the brewery running series is at Big Head Brewing, uh, 6204 West State. The 5K run starts at 11. It is a $35 to enter that 5K. But what better reason to... That's really the only reason I would run is for beer. I did a, a donut 5K once. Um, so I uh I would do I would do a donut 5k and a beer 5k. That's it. Uh yes, Danny, thank you for the text. It is uh we have repurposed. We have repurposed that. Uh the open. So uh another discount liquor thing, they're gonna have sweet water brewing from noon to two and third space brewing from three to six. That's the Milwaukee location. And you can try samples from Great Lakes Brewing and Polliner at the discount liquor in Waukesha. All right, so that's Saturday. Let's see what's happening on Sunday. It's a full weekend. Because, we listen, you got to go try some things, have some fun. All right, on Sunday, 1840 Brewing is hosting a food truck rally to help support Heirloom MKE. They lost their food truck in a fire in late July. They're going to have five food trucks there from 11 to 4. And the Fermentorium and Lion's Tail Brewing are pouring as guest taps. So Heirloom also has a GoFundMe page set up as well. So that's at 1840 Brewing. The Great Milwaukee Bike Race 
You might think, how does that have anything to do with beer? Well, hang on to your bike helmets and your little dentist mirrors. You pick your team, and you start at either Enlightened Brewing, which is a 2020 South Alice, or Gathering Place Brewing. You have a beer at your starting point. Then you ride to the other brewery for another beer. And then you return to your starting brewery for another beer. Sounds like another good excuse to get out and ride your bike. The ride starts at 2, check-in is at one thirty. cost is $15 in advance or $20 the day of the race. So look at that. You can exercise and you can enjoy some great beers. Makes it seem, makes it seem not so, uh, not so vice-like to have a beer. Two craft beer events are involving bikes this week. There is the, also, I told you about the first one, the Great Milwaukee Bike Race. Then there's the Craft Beer Bike Crawl, which begins at the Firmatorium, which is uh, 7481 Wisconsin 60 Trunk in Cedarburg. That starts at 10. Then it's a 33-mile route. Adventures to Good City Brewing. Then Sahel Ale Works. Then you go to Investors Brew, Co Brew Pub and then you return to the fermentorium. Now that's that seems like a little more serious of a bike ride, so I'd imagine those are, those are the people who are going to have the uh, spandex shorts with the pads in the butt. Those are the people whose shoes clip onto their pedals. 33 miles seems like a pretty pretty long ride, especially if you're having a beer at each place. Makes that, makes that last leg back to the fermentorium a little more exciting. Uh, the Tap Yard is hosting Food Truck Frenzy in Waukesha from noon to 6 on Sunday. And finally, the Tap Yard in West Bend is tapping Revolution Brewing's Oktoberfest at 2 p.m. And you get to keep the stein that the beer comes in. Uh, if I can, uh, now I'm not on Revolution's payroll, but I will tell you that their Oktoberfest is second to none. So if you're in the area and you want to uh, have a cool stein to remember your, your day, go check that out. All right, that is at the breweries for this week. When we come back, oh, my goodness, uh, my daughter did something yesterday that I hope to never do, and especially in light of a story that I'm going to share with you next on WTMJ Nights. The night. Yeah, you could drive your car or... Uh, you could do what my daughter did last night. She is out of town on business. She's in San Francisco for the week. And so last night I finished the show and I get back and my wife says, oh, hey, she sent us a video. Uh, and I'm looking at it and it looks like she's in the back of a cab, but there's nobody in the driver's seat and the car is moving. She was in one of those driverless cars in San Francisco. And just seeing the video was the freakiest thing because... You know, you see everything that's happening. The car is definitely moving, and nobody's sitting in the driver's seat, and there's screens on the back of, well, where the driver should be and where the passenger should be. There's screens on the back of those seats so the people in the back can see where the car is going, but no way for, you know, no way to change it. It's going because that's what you programmed in. And... I'll do a lot of things. Going in a driverless car is not one of them, especially sitting in the back seat of a driverless car. There is not a there is not a chance that I I'm going to do that. And I know that makes me sound uh, maybe like a luddite, 
An old man. What are you afraid of? I don't know. Maybe this. Saw this story. Uh, a San Francisco resident was giving a testimony because he saw they have the uh, a cruise car. It's one of these driverless cars. Got stuck at a uh, construction site on Golden Gate Avenue. Thankfully, this car had no passengers inside at the time. Uh, it drove right into wet cement because, well, it had been programmed to go down this street, and there was nobody who could look ahead and go, oh, hey, check that out. That's uh, wet cement. Nope. Car drove right into the wet cement, got stuck, and then, well, they had to send people to get it out. You know why, because there's nobody in the car. Uh, I I don't know. Would you? Is this something that you are looking forward to embracing, or are you still skeptical about this whole thing and believe that there are some things that humans need to be in control of? Now, granted, a lot of humans are really horrible when it comes to controlling their vehicles they're not not really paying attention but in this one um the company's vehicles uh this is this is cruise it's the the autonomous company in los angeles they were hit by an onslaught of outside lands attendees last weekend uh slew of vehicles were unable to be rerouted because of a wireless connectivity issue uh while a viral tiktok clip showed a cruise vehicle stuck on a key intersection just outside of golden gate park and then last Thursday, the California Public Utilities Commission voted three to one to expand Cruz and Waymo's services in San Francisco. A uh, spokesperson for Waymo told the San Francisco Gate that it has 100,000 people on its wait list for San Francisco service and will let them access the service in coming weeks. Uh, Matt, you're a young man. You're embr- you embrace technology. You've come up in an age of technology unlike me. Uh, how soon before you embrace the driver, the autonomous car, I should say? Never. And when I say <laughs> never, I mean it. A lot's going to have to change. I don't like the fact that my mom's 2021, I believe, Subaru Forester shuts off when you get to red light. What? Does she have an electronic car? No, it's gas. But when you get to a red light... The engine shuts off to conserve energy and save the environment. I don't even like that. I understand the purpose behind it, but at the same time, what if that car doesn't restart at the red light and everybody's mad at you? Furthermore, I don't want to not be in control or know that there's no one in control. It's like that scene from The Office when you mentioned the cement. All I could think of, Michael, this is the lake. It's the lake. And then all of a sudden they're in the lake. That's exactly that's what, exactly what this was. They're driving along. Nobody had programmed it in that there was construction and that there was wet cement. <laughs> so it's just, I, I didn't know. I didn't know there were gas-powered cars that. Show, I knew electric cars or battery. You know, yeah, electric cars. It's the scariest will, thing in the world because it just shuts off when the oh no. when the speedometer hits zero, and then you don't know what's happening. I just don't oh, like it. That's cars, sh- cars are not the one thing that I want to try and get cute with and make them all technologically advanced. Anything that can go 80 miles an hour and severely cause damage, let's, let's, I don't want to mess with that. Don't around the bush. You can, you can get killed. You can get killed in a car wreck. So, yes, I agree with you. I am, <laughs> I'm, not, uh, I'm not saddling up. And so this cruise, cruise and and uh, Waymo, they're like the Ubers 
the aut autonomous Ubers of San Francisco. Cruise is the leading autonomous vehicle company, driven to improve life in our cities by safely connecting people with places, things, and experiences. So that's what my daughter was in last night. I uh, I haven't talked to her because she's still out of town, but I I cannot wait to hear what it was like to be in there. I would if all right if you bound me and threw me in the back of this car like you were kidnapping me and the only way we were going to get to uh, our destination would be to be in the back of an autonomous car i would be more worried about the autonomous car than the heinous crime you were going to perpetrate on me when uh you <laughs> when you got me done with our ride in the cruise 2019 f150 truck shuts off at stoplights hate it four exclamation points wow Maybe that's what I get for driving an older car. I don't have, uh, my car doesn't just shut off. I like it I'm better that way. I, yeah, I don't want that to happen. I'm trying to think if I've been in one that does that. Only, I, I rode in a guy's Prius once with him, and it did that. Plus, I also don't like, those are too quiet. They're sneaky. You don't hear them if you're walking across the street and they come rolling up on you. Um, but yeah, I haven't heard of that. This is, uh... This is new to me, Matt. Now you've thrown me into a, a panic that if I buy, if I do someday have to buy a new car, which someday I'll have to, uh, that it's going to just stop. That used to be... I drove enough really old cars when I was young that I had to worry that they were legit going to stop and break down. I don't want to buy a new car and then every time I'm driving feel like it's breaking down at every time, every time I stop. Brian, I could see you waiting on the sidewalk for a taxi cab. And you have a nice little sheet in front of you that has the car making models that you would get in and that you wouldn't get in. There's a lot of things. If I they come, if they come up, you'll be like, nope, next one. Well, you can see, you can see these uh, these cruises because they have so much stuff, so much stuff. They got on cameras top. and everything. Yeah, cameras and sensors and radars, and they've got. And them what on if the one breaks and you don't know? I don't. And they're little too. You know, first of all, they're tiny. Now, they're only in three cities. They're in San Francisco, Austin, and Phoenix. But the story about the one getting stuck in the cement is San Francisco, and uh, where my daughter drove is San Francisco. So, I don't know. All right, got to take a very quick break. And then, good news, we're not all going deaf. It's WTMJ Nights. MJ Nights. Final few minutes of the program, then it's Brewers baseball. The Brewers are out in Los Angeles for the third game against the Dodgers. Pre-game starts at 8.35, first pitch at 9.05 right here on WTMJ. Uh, good news, Matt. You can tell If you want a monkey with your mom's car, the 414 says you can typically override the turnoff feature on newer cars. I don't know if you want to get into your, uh, you know, under the hood of your mom's car or on the uh, programs and try to figure that out just so when you drive it you don't have to uh, deal with that. But who knows? I I'm glad I read this story, and hopefully you will be too. Um, a lot of us, when we're watching something on a streaming service, you can't hear the dialogue. It's really low, or you have to turn it way up on one and turn it way down on another. And sometimes I think that I'm losing my hearing. We are not losing our hearing. Um, we watch videos. There, The technology is letting us down. About 50% of Americans watch videos with subtitles on most on most of the time according to the surveys because they're struggling to decipher what the actors are saying which is true um, according to um, 
the guy who a guy who owns a home theater installation company in California. All my customers have issues with hearing the dialogue. Many of them use closed caption. Uh, the issue is complex, but uh, really, they say the best way to do it if you're just using um, the speakers on the TV, which have gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. Uh, no, that so the TVs are flatter, the speakers are smaller. You're not hearing it. When the movies were made, they were made to be played in a theater with huge sound systems, so everything is kind of uh, reconfigured to put on TV. They're saying you just need to get uh, you need to get a speaker, so you're not going deaf. That's the thing. I went out and I got a sound bar uh, about a year and a half ago because I I couldn't hear any. I would hear like the music or the background sounds, but I couldn't hear the dialogue. So I got a sound bar, and I you know now I can hear sometimes. But then if I'm watching Netflix, it's at one level, and Apple TV's at another level, and it's all crazy. All right, so. You're not going deaf either. That's it. We're done. Thank you for listening. It has been a great week hanging out with you. Matt, it's been uh, it's been an endurance test for you, but you've done very well, and, I, and now you know you're done with me until, well, next week. Uh, so <laughs> have, a great, have a great night. Brewers baseball coming up on the other side. Yeah, the Brewers in Los Angeles taking on the Dodgers. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you being a part of the programs all week. And uh, we will be back here Monday night at 6. And then, oh boy, what do you hear? Uh, debate night. It is going to be crazy here on WTMJ. We're going to be here a little longer. But have a wonderful weekend. Have a great rest of your night. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of the show. The news and Brewers baseball next.